Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship accessible, sharing down-to-earth training advice and practical exercises with horsemen dedicated to accomplishing their goals. Whether you're hitting the trails for fun, training a project horse at home, or refining maneuvers for reining or cowhorse competition, we'll help you take your horsemanship to the next level. Thank you for joining us. It is the Project Horse Podcast. I'm Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke. Today, we're going to be breaking down our thoughts on hard-to-catch horses. We're also going to move into fencing. We've been talking about advanced stopping for multiple episodes now. You know, the, the fencing is going to come after the foundation and the other drills that we've already established in the prior episodes. So you're not immediately going to jump to the fencing in your program, but we thought it would be valuable to break that down today kind of communicate our thoughts on that topic. But we saw a question, this is what I wanted to start off with, questions about hard-to-catch horses come up a lot in what we do, but I saw a question the other day that kind of got me intrigued, which is that this lady's horse, she was kind of frustrated and flustered about the fact that it had developed a new tactic. It was innovating, it was developing new ways to avoid being caught out in the pen with its buddies. And then the latest way is that it took cues from basketball and it was setting up picks where it was positioning itself so that other horses were between this lady and the horse and the horse was like deploying duck and cover. It was running and hiding in amongst its buddies. And she felt like, well, he just, he's constantly avoiding me. He's ducking and weaving in and out of the herd. He's in amongst these other horses. He's running to them for protection. So what can I do to fix this? How can I be effective in this situation? And wanted to start off giving our summation of some stuff that we do, like from our perspective on hard to catch horses or how to fix those type of things. And then we'll talk about an interesting idea that we've not tried a lot, but it has been effective. So we're going to float that idea out there as far as when your horse is in with a group like this and it's running and hiding and using its buddies for cover, what you can do about that. This issue of, you know, my horse doesn't want to be caught. My horse doesn't want to catch me. He doesn't want to come up to me. Different horses have different levels of agreeableness. And some of them, no matter how much you train, no matter how good of a relationship you try to establish with these horses, no matter how well you treat them, they're just not that driven to come up and be with you. And they just don't enjoy your presence as much. It's kind of like people. People have different personalities. Some people are overly friendly and super agreeable and they want to be with you and they just can't hold anything back. When they're around you, they just got to pour everything out, tell you all about what they've been doing recently. And, and they're just into being your friend and they're into that socializing. Whereas other people are more standoffish. They're not mean, but they're very businesslike. They're not really the friendly, happy-go-lucky type. They're just kind of at the middle of the road, you might say. They go to work every day, they work hard at their job, they seem to enjoy what they do, but they're just not really friendly, they're just not sociable. And that's just their personality. And so I think a lot of times on this catching issue, we see a lot of consternation and lamenting the fact that, oh, my horse doesn't want to be with me. Well, a lot of that, no matter what you do training-wise, isn't going to be fixed if the horse has just a not very sociable, not very friendly, not very agreeable personality doesn't mean they're not a good horse. It doesn't mean they don't work for you and it doesn't mean you don't have a good partnership, but they're just not that motivated to come up and be with you. 
But there are things you can do to create good habits about catching in the pen or in the pasture. The first thing, though, is to have some awareness on what your horse is like. Obviously, if you're having catching issues, don't turn them out in a 12-acre pasture. I mean, the levels of entitlement we sometimes see where people are genuinely confused as to why their horse is avoiding them when they turn them out in a 10-acre field, and they're wondering why he wants to avoid them every time they make their presence out there. It's pretty obvious. He knows that every time you're out there, he's going to have to work. So if you're having catching issues, like we have a nice little system here, I think, which is that a lot of the horses on the place live in stalls at night and they get turned out in runs during the day. So at least twice a day, even if they're not getting worked, they're getting caught, let out, handled, fed, etc. At least twice a day, them either catching us or allowing themselves to be caught has a good benefit coming to them. One out of the three times that we show up during the day means they're going to be worked. But we're not going to work the horse at the same exact time every single day either. We don't want to fall into those habits. We'll kind of stay a little bit unpredictable there. But when we're in the pin, in the runs that we have, it's slightly bigger than a 50-foot round pin. The round pinning exercises are probably your biggest asset when you're working on catching issues. It teaches the horse that even if you don't have a halter and lead rope on them, you can still control their feet. You establish your drive line. You can drive the horse forward, make him stop, turn in and face you, give you two eyes, and preferably he's going to come in toward the center. He's gonna, you, you're going to be able to create and manipulate a little bit of draw and teach him to catch you, although some horses will do that better than others. When you're in the pen, you can apply those same techniques. If he's turning away from you, for example, he's showing you two heels instead of giving you two eyes, Drive that hindquarters away exactly like you've done in the round pin. Reestablish your drive line, drive that horse away, and only release the pressure and back off when he turns, faces you, gives you two eyes, and, and better still, actually walks toward you. Right. And well, you got to remember that every moment that you're around your horse or interacting with him, you're training on him. Like there's so many people that have the mindset, and I've been guilty of this myself in the past, of well, the training doesn't start until after I've taken him to the saddling bay, groomed him off, saddled him up, fly sprayed him, taken him out to the arena, and once that arena gate latches and I get out to the middle to start maybe my groundwork, then we're actually training. No, the moment that I approach that gate to go in and catch him, the training session has started. So you can't go into it with the wrong idea that, I just got to go catch Fluffy first and then we'll take him out and then start working him. No, the moment that you go, in to catch Fluffy. He's reading you. He's feeding off of kind of what your body language is dictating. And he is starting to learn either good habits to come up to you or just stand there and allow you to catch the horse and drop his neck down, let you put the halter on. Or he's learning bad habits, avoidance tactics. So you just have to be aware of that, that the moment you go into that pin, the training session has begun. Yeah. So your greatest asset in dealing with these issues is going to be the round pinning and the rest of the groundwork, just getting this horse's attention and respect, being able to control his feet, and making sure that you don't turn off those habits or those expectations just because the horse is in the pen, right? That even from the moment you go to catch them to start your session, you're reinforcing those habits that you've tried to kickstart with your other groundwork. You don't treat the, like, a lot of people, they, they don't have those same expectations or they don't, they don't work on these things. They don't try to maintain these habits. And the horse starts to think that they're kind of king of their little castle. 
that when they're in their stall or they're in their pen or pasture, that's their little domain. And the rules of respect and attention don't apply anymore because you've never carried over that expectation from the round pin in the arena to where they actually live. But you need to make, you need to establish habits that show the horse there is no difference. Anytime that you're around them is a training scenario and that they need to have the same level of respect and attention. So there's a lot you can do to build those good habits. But again, you have to kind of have some self-awareness about what your horse's personality is like and realize that not everyone is going to draw up to you like a liberty horse. Now, getting into the actual issue that this lady mentioned with the horse ducking and running behind its friends. We see this all the time. People are like, well, he, he ran into the group. It's over. Ga <laughs> game over, man. No, it's not game over. The rules still apply. Even if there's other horses in the pen, it doesn't mean that the game is over, theoretically. Now, we had an interesting idea brought to our attention a while back, which was a guy who used to train a lot of wild Mustangs. He didn't want to rope them right away. He would immediately start in the round pin. He would try getting their respect and attention, establish a drive line, get control of their feet in the round pin first, and then he could get a halter on them after that. But he wouldn't just try to rope them, but he would have a group of like four wild Mustangs in this 50 foot, 50 to 60 foot round pin, and he would single one out and just start round pinning it. And at first, all the horses would be flustered, right? Because he's in there with a stick and string and he's driving this horse around, but the other horses would quickly realize, hey, he's not after me, he's after that one. And they, the other horses would stop running and just sit there kind of a little ways off the fence and become spectators while this other horse is getting driven around. If that horse tried to nuzzle back into the group and hide from the human being, those other horses, having realized that the human is actually after that horse and that he's kind of a liability now, they would literally pin their ears and kick at that other horse and help the human being continue driving that horse around. Once they realized that the human was after that, that horse, they didn't want to have nothing to do with him and they would help the human being out to keep that other horse away from the group. That's how, like, they would just totally throw their friend under the bus and say, hey, you want him? You got him. Like, we don't, we don't want to have nothing to do with you anymore, okay? So that is hilarious to me. But that's exactly how these horses' mindsets operate, is that nothing changes just because they're in a group. And in fact, if you single one out, so like if you're in a group of horses and the other one turns, shows you two heels, tries to walk away and walk into the group, you, you drive those two heels away. You drive those hindquarters away. You make that uncomfortable and you act like there's no other horses around. And, of course, at first, they're all flustered and running around, so you'd want to do this in a round pin or a safer area where you've got space to work with. You've got to take that initial shot that kind of breaks the group apart, then you can focus on that one horse that you actually want to focus on. And horses are basically lazy creatures. They'll quickly realize that, oh, he's after him, so I don't need to run anymore. And they'll just be kind of, they'll kind of stay out of the way and more or less become spectators. And, in fact... They realize your focus and attention is on this other horse, and they don't want to have anything to do with him. They're like, you guys take that drama over there. I just want to sit here and eat hay, right? So the point is, just because it's in a group, things don't change. And in fact, you can kind of make horse psychology work to your advantage in that situation. You need to be creative as a horseman. Going back to that example, this guy, he trained a lot of wild Mustangs, and while some of those he would eventually just have to rope and pull around, this was very effective for more of the 
domesticated ranch horses that he'd get in. He'd get in like groups of four ranch horses to start. And these horses, a lot of the times they'd be four or five years old, you know, so they were, and they'd just been kind of turned out in the range just to let grow. And so they were a bit, a bit wild already. And so he couldn't exactly get his hands on him. They'd just come off a stock trailer, you know, four of them. And so he'd get them all into a round pin. You know, I wouldn't say you wouldn't be able to get this done with a round pin any smaller than 50 feet. But he just picked out the one horse that he wanted to catch. And then he just went about his round pinning exercise right then and there, completely ignoring the other three horses in the pin. And yeah, of course, in the beginning, they're all in a big ball together, like pushed into each other, running around like as a group in one. And so you've probably got, you know, horses that are trying to climb over each other to get farther to the outside. So they're all mushed together. But in doing that, eventually they kind of broke loose and then they were just following each other nose to tail. And once they did that, he just established his body position behind the driveline where that girth would be on the one horse that he wanted. And so in doing that, he's in front of the driveline and the horses that are following that horse's tail. And so they'd stop. And then the horse in the front, a lot of the times it would either run a little bit faster than the one that he was after or try to turn and duck into the fence. And when it did that, he would just step, he would be aware of that. And as soon as he saw that that first horse, say, try to slow down or turn into the fence, he'd step up the pressure as it was happening on the horse that he was after. And so he could drive it on and the other horse would be turned facing the wrong way and, and just be left standing there. And so in doing that, I mean, it, it's a bit wild at first, but you have to realize that as a horseman, you have to be creative with what's going on. And in the fact that, say, your horse is hiding behind other horses in the pasture, that's a very normal thing that they do. It would be like having a, your dog that you've trained to be very respectful. And then you go to a dog park and you turn him loose. And then you call his name and you want him to run up to you. Well, he's all distracted by all these other dogs that he hears you yell and scream from across the dog park, you know, hey, Rufus, come over here. And he sees you and he starts to jog over there. And then immediately he's distracted by another dog. And then he turns and, and heads back over there. And he's like one of those cartoons where the person is torn between two people calling their name. And they're just running back and forth. Your dog kind of wants to respect you and listen to you but he's too distracted by these other dogs to really go all the way. And so you have to retrain him with all his, his buddies around. You have to retrain him to be respectful in that situation. It's the same aspect here. And so as a horseman, this guy is using that as a training tool, more or less than a, oh, well, you know, let's try and cut them apart and take all this time to sort them out one by one. He's like, no, this is a great training opportunity. And here's why. Because in doing that, eventually, like you said, the other horses realized, hey, he's not after me. And they also realized that this horse that he is after, when he comes near me, I'm in the road. So if this, if that horse tries to duck behind me and stop and steal some air, that guy's he's going to drive me around with him because I'm in the way. And so I need to get this horse away from me. And so basically it was teaching the other horses that, hey, being around that guy is not a good thing. So if he comes around me, I'm going to pin my ears. I'm going to bite. I'm going to kick. I'm going to run away from him because that, that other horse means more work for me. And so it was almost training the other horses to not, it was almost like buddy sour training at the same time. It was, it was kind of, um, it's a weird dynamic, but in doing that as well, as he would pick through, because again, he'd do the one. So then there'd be three left and he'd, after he'd catch the one, he'd lead it out to its separate pen and then he'd go in there. Now there's three. He'd pick out another one. They'd all start running to begin with. 
and eventually the two would stop and he'd keep the one going and then he'd do his normal round pinning exercises you know getting just establishing the direction getting some turns getting some consistent turns and then he'd catch that one lead it to its separate pin now we're down to the two then he'd go in there the two would run around together for a little bit well then he then pretty soon the one would realize which one that he's after and it would stop, and he'd keep working the one, and now he's got just the one left in that pen. He can work it like normal, but guess what? When he got down to about two horses, those two horses were pretty darn quiet, weren't they? Because they'd already, they'd seen him quite a bit. They'd seen him, you know, all the, he, they'd been kind of desensitized to the, say, if he had a whip and he was spanking the ground and driving the other horses away, they got pretty desensitized to his presence in there, and so they were pretty darn quiet. And that made his job a lot easier as well, because he was getting to desensitize and work four horses, you know, almost like the fourth horse they'd catch, he'd work that thing basically four times in a way, you know, and so that was pretty quiet by the time he finally got it. And then all four of those horses got to see a lot of him. So even though that they were wild, they were awfully quiet by the time that he got done with that day one session. And so it was like a massive leap forward in his program because he got like two, three days worth of work done in one session with four horses at once. But what that did was well was it it taught those horses that because, again, they're going to go back to a ranch and in the ranch, they're going to be just part of a string. And usually at that particular ranch, they're just turned out in a big pasture by themselves and then they're rounded up. The ones that are, you know, the the riding horses are rounded up then for the day and saddled up and taken out um, to be part of the string. So they've got to get used to being around each other. Well, they also have to be used to being caught, you know, every day by the, the head wrangler. They have to be able to be caught, and they'd realize that just because they're in a group with other buddies, the rules still apply. They're still the one person that's in charge that they need to respect and listen to, and they don't have somebody that they can go duck behind and and uh, sneak off with. You know, they can't do the the infamous run by another horse so that the lead rope gets caught on the other horse's neck and rips it out of your hand, and then he's gone. You know, they can't they can't do that. So again, I would say. Do this in a controlled environment, no smaller than a 50-foot pen, because you're going to have multiple horses in there. But it just comes down to being creative. There's no strict, you know, I see so many people that they're taken aback, but they're like, you can do that? You can do multiple horses at once? Yes, like that's a thing. A lot of, especially ranch cult starters do that. I mean, that's a big, that's a big part of their program because it's so effective. And so it's a matter of, as a horseman, being creative and, and problem solving and realizing, aha, you know, the, I can work around an issue like this. And, and the, you give people baby these, their horses way too much. And they think that, well, I've got two horses in there. The one that, that I'm not round pinning is going to be confused and scared. They may be confused in the beginning, but as you establish that you're just after the one horse, they pick up on that. They're, per, they're perceptive animals. They read that. And so pretty soon they're just going to be standing there having a jolly old time, basically just having some popcorn, like watching a ball game as the other horse is running around the pen. So again, you just have to be creative as a horseman. Use this as a training opportunity instead of, well, that's it. Can't catch him. Guess I'll have to try again later. You know, I'll get him when we grain or something like that. You're like, no, use this as a training opportunity. Make sure it's in a controlled environment. But this could be a great training opportunity to almost fix this problem. But you could be working two horses at the same time, three horses at the same time. Use this as a training opportunity to grow yourself as a horseman.
Let's get into our advanced segment. We're going to talk about fencing today. We've built up through a lot of different exercises in preparation for this, and we're still going to maintain a methodical, confidence-building approach as we get into this exercise. But it needs to be said up front that compared to what we were just talking about in the previous episode, this is much further on down the road in progression. It's not like you just throw this in and then a couple weeks in to your two-year-old program, you just start fencing. This is way further down the line than the other things we've been talking about. One of the big things I see with fencing is a lot of horses that get started with it too early. They lose their confidence because they get jammed up into the fence really fast or really quick, or they get really unsure and they start darting left and right, and they and the, the rider just kicks the kick, 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 and drives them forward into the fence. So pretty soon, the fence is a really bad place to be. And so the horse running down is going to start really checking themselves back. Like, I don't want to be down there. You know, this is, that's where he, I get kicked on or pulled on because, you know, they're, they see the fence coming and they don't understand that they can just run up to it and stop. They think that they, everything up to that point has been rounding the corner for a, a lot of horses and they, and they can't quite put that in their mind, what, what they need to do. And so you see a lot of horses lose their confidence in that because it becomes the kick, 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 jerk, jerk, jerk. You see horses that set up in the rundowns or they start taking off left or right on the rundown itself instead of running straight because they're trying to avoid what's waiting for them down at the end. Now, what you should have done up to that point is a lot of work with the rundown exercise of running the horse down the arena, getting 30, 40 feet from the fence, breaking them down to a jog jogging them up to the fence, and then jogging your circles, three, four circles, then head back the opposite way. Because what you've done there is you've introduced to the horse that they can come up to the fence like that with confidence. A lot of horses that you see lose their confidence when the fencing is introduced. Their only concept of a rundown is just the cigar drill that we talked about earlier. You know, not a lot of people that I've seen or observed or had the privilege to work for not everyone uses the drill of running them down, slowing them down, jogging three, four circles at the fence. Very few people that I know actually do that particular exercise. They usually go right into that cigar rundown drill. And so in doing the run the horse down and slow them down, jog them up to the fence, you slow things down mentally and you build their confidence. And subconsciously, you implant this little seed that says you can be confident coming up into the fence and approaching it directly. Because that's not an easy thing for any horse to do, especially a young colt. Yeah, if all you've ever done is round the corner, and now you're suddenly putting the hammer down and running them right at the fence, that's really going to make a lot of colts nervous. And again, just like a lot of the other steps we've thrown in on these other exercises that a lot of people discount or skip over or they, they downplay the importance of it, we really believe in that especially on these younger horses, and this, this fencing drill is no exception. You know, we want to go into it in a way, basically your entire thought throughout this process should be, we need to build the horse's confidence, at least in this stage. This is in the context of talking about young horses that we're introducing this to. They're not problem children. They just have no exposure yet. And so we want to approach this the right way, not create bad habits. That's the biggest thing, confidence building. If you take one thing away from this exercise, it's get your horse confident coming into the fence. Because this exercise, the whole purpose is to get the horse running 
more forward mentally, get them running across the arena and anticipating a stop at the very end of the arena. Yeah, we're trying to lengthen them mentally. Exactly. And so then when we do stop them, when we get past that center cone and we're heading to that end cone and we have to stop at, say, just past that, well, the horse will be thinking by the time we get to that end cone that we have to go all the way to the to the fence down at the end. And so they're going to be, like we talked about before, that motorboat analogy where the nose is coming up on that boat. Same thing here. When they are anticipating we're going all the way to the fence before they stop, they're going to be running really well to the stop when we actually cue for it, say, in the show pen or when we are actually addressing our, our actual stops. And the rundown is really the critical part of a stop. Yes, the horse has to know how to stop. You have to have some natural talent in the horse in order to get a stop. But once that stop is established, it's really all about the rundown. It's a rundown game. The better the horse runs down, the better the horse will stop. The worse the horse runs down, the worse the horse is going to stop. It's all in how you approach that stop, how you set the horse up for it, that actually dictates how the horse actually stops. So to begin this exercise, you can either go up and down the middle of the arena, up and down the sides of the arena, or across your diagonals. Any, any one of those. It's good to mix it up. I don't always like to come out every day and do the exact same thing over and over and over again. Okay, so if I do one day running down one diagonal and then the other diagonal, then the next day I come out, I might go up and down, say, the right side of the arena. Or I might do part of it on the right side of the arena and then part of it on the left side of the arena. Or I might come out and go up and down the middle. You have to mix up where you do it so the horse is always engaged mentally and you're you're checking every scenario. You almost, you know, I guess that's the fun part about the reining is there's so many things you have to check and prepare for and train your horse for to do. There's It never gets dull because there's always something else there to prepare your horse for. So just like we've done before, we're going to start at the end of the arena and we're going to lope the horse off. We're going to, At this stage of the game, we should be very picky about our lead departures. Yes, we're working on a new exercise, the fencing, but that doesn't change the fact at this stage of the game, this horse should be pretty broke. So lead departures should not be a big issue. So we're going to be very picky about the lead departures. If it's not a good lead departure, then I'll probably draw the horse into the ground, back them up back to the fence. Maybe if they're really belligerent, I'll turn them around and then I'll try it again. Okay. So let's say now we've picked up our, our lope and we're building speed across the arena. We're not going to go any faster than whatever speed we've worked the horse up to at this point. Maybe even back it off a little bit because we've changed the dynamics of the exercise and it's something new that he's not really familiar with. Because of that, I might just back it off, say, you know, a few mile an hour. It doesn't have to be drastic. I don't want to treat him like he's a new colt and I'm just beginning to teach to stop. Just back it off just a little bit because, again, we want to keep things in the sphere of confidence. And all we want to do is push him out of his comfort zone into that uncomfortable zone. But we don't want to push him out of that even further to where he's like, okay, my life's in danger. This is way too hard of a puzzle for me to figure out. And then they just panic. We don't want to push him that far. We're all about keeping it in a controlled, controlled chaos, basically. There's uncertainty involved, but we want to keep that uncertainty to a manageable level. As you build speed across the arena, what you're trying to do is figure out how far away you can stop the horse from the fence without him ducking left or right or getting worried or getting anxious. So it's almost like there's an invisible kind of a bubble 
or a spot that's like the red zone, let's say, coming up to the fence to use like a football analogy. Inside the 20 yard line, in theory, is the red zone. And so every horse is going to be more or less confident about how close do you have to get to that fence before the, the yellow flag goes up, the caution flag, and they start thinking about ways to go left or right because they're used to either breaking down or rounding the corner. So it's kind of a judgment call. There's no exact, like, put a cone 20 feet off the fence, run hard to that point, you know, or, or 30 or 40 feet. It's different for different horses. And I think I, it's better explained not how far away you can get from the fence, but how close can you get to the fence? That's what I really mean to say. How close can you get to the fence without the horse getting worried and losing confidence and panicking and overreacting? So like your red zone analogy, I think that's a good analogy. When you enter that, say, 30 feet from the fence, 30, 40 feet from the fence, you're in that red zone now. So how close can I get before he starts to get worried? 20 feet? 30 feet? 15 feet? Maybe five? You know, you have to figure out your window there. And what we're going to do when we introduce this exercise is not worry about getting up to the fence and stopping the horse up into the fence. What we're going to do is we're going to get the horse as close to the fence as we can within their comfort level and draw him into the ground off of a light draw. Okay, so we're basically, we're helping him stop. We're, right now, we're not letting the fence stop the horse. We're basically, through repetition, showing the horse what is expected and what he's supposed to do as he approaches the fence. If you just run them up to the fence and only control the straightness of the rundown, so if they jump left and right and you just keep pulling the opposite way and then let, the, let him jam himself up into the fence, all you're going to be doing is very quickly destroying their confidence. It's all about showing him what you expect him to do and then letting him kind of take the reins from there and improving upon the foundation that you've laid, okay? So the big, the big knock on using the rundown exercise, running them down to the end of the arena, slowing them down, jogging your circles, the big knock to that is, well, it just teaches the horse to set up. And 30, 30 40 feet from the fence, the horse is always wanting to slow down. And then I try to fence the horse and he just wants to slow down. Well... To that, my answer would be, well, good. That means you did your job, first of all. It's fixing the problem of the horse setting them setting up 30, 40 feet from the fence, a young horse especially that's just learned this. It takes, say, a couple sessions to fix. So you could say, yes, it creates a problem. But you can fix that in a couple sessions. And the positive effects that you get from doing that exercise are undeniable. The confidence that's instilled in the horse and the way they relax and over the course of the rundown and that relaxation transfers into softness and a prettier picture and a better rundown, you just can't deny the, the positive effects that that, manu that exercise has on the maneuver as a whole. And the problems that it's quote-unquote creates are so easy to fix that it's not even a legitimate argument, basically, to say that, that it creates long-term effects or is, is troublesome. And so in doing this fencing exercise, the horse may very well set up on you. And by setting up, I mean they check up on their speed. Say they're running at 25 miles an hour, and all of a sudden, without you asking them, they check up and they slow down to 20 or 15 miles an hour because they're expecting a stop. And so they're like preparing themselves. Well, I know we're going to stop, so I'm just going to go a little bit slower because it's going to be easier on me. That would be checking up. But all you have to do in that moment is use your legs and drive the horse forward gently, just a tad bit farther than where they were setting up. 
and then cue the horse to stop. We're not harpooning them with our legs and kicking them and jamming them up into the fence because they set up. At this stage that we're just introducing the exercise, I'm not going to make a huge deal to the horse when it tries to set up. If I do that, then I'm going to create an area that's a, like I talked about, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. It is, or the beginning of the segment. It is the bad place to be. I don't want to be there. And so when, when it turns into ram and jam, when the horse sets up on me, the horse is going to figure out pretty quick, oh, that's not a good area I want to be. And so as perceptive as they are and they pick up on patterns, pretty soon you've got a horse that's going to be very apprehensive and tight and stiff on that whole rundown because of what they're expecting to happen as soon as they get to the end of the arena. They may very well set up on you when you get, say, 40 feet from the fence, but all you have to do there is drive them forward, bump them with your legs or with your spur, a couple more strides forward, and then draw them into the ground. Okay, Because once you feel them checking up on you, you know you're pretty close to the edge of that bubble, where you've gotten about as close to the fence as you possibly can. So you want to go a couple more strides past that, keeping that speed, and then draw them into the ground. Another tip that I would give for the actual rundown itself is maintain light contact on the horse's face with both your reins. This will ensure that he kind of has you as a guide to keep him straight, because this is a very new maneuver for him to do, and he's not going to be quite sure, he's not going to understand why you're not rounding the corner or slowing down and jogging your circles. So you're going to have a gentle contact on the reins as you run the horse down so that he kind of feels that and you're guiding him down that straight line to that stop. Now, I know you made that point last time with the, the cigar exercise for rundowns. And I just want to reiterate, this is with young horses. We're not telling you, hang on the face of your bridle horse as you run him down. If you're trying to school him with this fencing here. No, this is building confidence on a young horse that doesn't know their job quite yet. However, I want to stress the fact that if you've done the preparation that we've talked about, if you've been that methodical, you're not going to have problems with crappy lead departures. You're not going to have the horse warbling and wandering all over the arena. You're not going to have problems with running off. You're not going to have problems with them missing and blowing through the stop. All that has already been put to bed. So we're able to actually cover new ground right now. We're running a very similar play here as we did with the previous exercise, which is we're going to wean the horse onto it and gradually make him be more and more independent. But right now we're in a confidence building stage. Right. So getting back into the exercise now and kind of the specifics of it, once you've stopped your horse, the correction that you make for your stops doesn't change from what you're doing before, whether it's backing them up, whether it's if it's if it's done really well, you may just let them creep back a couple steps and let them sit there, or if they they shouldn't be ignoring your your hands at this point or not even trying with their hind end getting deep in the ground. They sh you shouldn't be having those problems where you immediately have to pull the horse around and lope them off the opposite way. The horse should be stopping well enough off of your draw that you can, even though the stop may not be great, as it was, say, just running them across the arena and stopping them, it's passable. And I'm going to be okay with that. The first few times that I run the horse up and down the arena and stop him in, toward the fence, fence him, quote-unquote, for real, I'm not going to be too concerned about how well he stops. He needs to stop with effort, yes, but I'm not going to be expecting just as good of a stop as I had in the arena. That would be impractical to throw this new exercise in and now expect him to be doing everything perfectly. 
And I want to make sure that I'm focusing on, okay, Fluffy, you did great that time. You know, that was pretty good. You can just stand there and, and soak for a few, for a minute or so. And then we'll go the other way. So if they don't stop amazing, that's not the end of the world. Cause I'm just focused on getting that confidence coming up to the fence. And guess what? Once they're confident approaching that fence, that stop kind of corrects itself in a way. So don't beat yourself up or punish the horse when the stopping isn't as good when you start fencing as it was in the arena. It shouldn't be that good, and that's not your main concern. So as long as it was passable, I'm going to let the horse just sit there. I'm not even going to make him back away from the fence yet. I'm just going to let him sit there for like a minute and just soak on it. Then I'll back him up, gently turn him around, walk him up to the fence. I could either turn him around and head down the other way or walk a few circles and then lope him off and head across the arena. Build my speed, get to that bubble, draw him into the ground and stop him, and then let him sit there again for, say, a minute. A minute always seems like a good, you know, not to get too technical with time frames, but a minute always seems to be a good time frame where the horse can just kind of soak on it and think it over, but you're not sitting there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes to the point where the horse completely forgets about what you're working on, right? So I would just give yourself the leeway for several times back and forth when you first start this exercise to not be too picky about just how well the horse actually stops. So as you progress through this, you're just going to start getting the horse closer and closer and closer to the fence till you actually are able to stop the horse up into the fence. Now, at this age with horses, you're, we're not going to get to the point where you just turn them loose and gallop down to the end of the arena and just sit there and let the horse kind of take over on autopilot and stop up into the fence. Even when they get better as a young horse like this, you know, even in several months' time, you're still going to be giving them a slight little draw on the reins as you stop them into the fence, always. Until they get pretty broke, and they're, say, you know, a derby-aged horse, then you might, and they really know their job well, then yeah, you may just focus on building your speed down there and letting the horse stop off of a loose rein, no draw, no woe, letting the fence stop them. But for this age of a horse, I would never just completely turn the horse loose and make him stop completely on his own using the fence. I don't want that to be the barrier. I've got my gentle draw that cues him that he needs to stop. I don't want to just completely throw things away and let him be completely focused on stopping himself. That has to be still my job at this point. So even if you get right up to the fence, stopping closer and closer and closer every time, you're not going to get the point where like, well, now I'm just going to completely turn loose and let him, now that he can stop up to the fence, I'm just going to completely hang him out to dry and let him figure it out. No, always have that little draw there until they're really, really broken in a bridle and really know their job. And then you can run one down and use the fence to stop the horse. But that's later on down the road. So before getting into the time frame, the last point I want to make about the actual training part of it is as you push the horse closer and closer to the fence, you're going to encounter resistance where the horse sets up and doesn't want to run. So when you encounter that resistance, remember what we talked about with speeding up on your rundown, where you use your leg as kind of the gas pedal. When you feel that horse start to set up, you're going to press with that leg that you're cueing him with. So if I'm on the left lead, it's my right leg. I'm going to press and try and drive him forward. And then if nothing happens, then I'm going to use my spurs bump him with my spurs and drive him forward if he wasn't listening to my calf pressure. Okay, we're not going to harpoon him. We're just going to go to the level of pressure necessary to get this horse to step up through that little spat of resistance so that we can 
have him running so that we can draw him into the ground at the fence. As far as when you incorporate this into your ride, you're going to supplant this with your rundown exercises. Let's say, theoretically, you started this horse in January. So for me personally, if I was riding this horse, I wouldn't even worry about fencing this particular horse until October, November, probably at the earliest. Okay, so that should give you a good time frame of how long we'll be working on these other rundown exercises before we worry about the fencing, right? So October is probably the earliest, I would say, if I had a really naturally talented colt, really good-minded, really quiet, and I'd done my homework, maybe October. You know, I've seen people that do it in June or May, you know, a good six months before I would even consider doing something like that. But it, it, everyone has their own style about it. I just feel that delaying that will set you up better in the long term, because if you start it even in November, you've still got another year before that horse is showable, say, you know, at a fraternity. I like the big fraternity at the end of the year. Well, and the way I think about it, too, is that every stopping exercise that we've talked about in the series, we've gradually been turning up the heat a little bit. The mental pressure that we're putting onto the horse to have more and more responsibility and handle more and more intensity. And we've done a lot of thorough preparation. A lot of guys that do this much earlier, if they're super talented trainers, which there are a lot of them, they can make it work. I, I guess my big reason for being methodical is I'm not that talented. I need to take my time and force myself to slow down and not cut corners. The other thing, too, is that if you've done all the exercises we've talked about, you very much eliminate a lot of the problems that, that some people face when they go to start fencing or running the horse down with the horse running off, being crooked, flipping out a lead. All these other things are just from lack of foundation that, you know, they had all the time in the world if they would have just worked on that a little bit more, focused on that a little bit more first, and then moved on, and not tried to jump the gun so quickly, it would have served them better overall. It's much better to pave the road good first than to fix potholes later because you did a crappy job. Right. So you just take your time with this. You slowly start to add speed, slowly get closer to the fence. You still have those reins there to help the horse stop. And once the horse has the idea, then you can go back to being very picky about how the horse stops and making corrections sooner and changing the way you correct the horse to get the better stop. But it's just a matter now, once you introduce it, it's a matter of adding speed on that rundown and getting closer and closer to that fence. Thank you for listening to the Project Horse Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help more horsemen like you find our content. You can also check out the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. There you can message us with any questions or training topics you want covered on the show. You can also learn about our training program, clinics, lessons, and the consulting we do for horse owners across the United States and abroad. Thanks again for listening. 